going to have a debate about foot washing. One of the recent podcasts we put out was about the sacraments. We had some that were specifically looking at the Eucharist, some at baptism, and then some with just a general conversation about sacraments as a whole. Of course, here in the Church of the Nazarene, we have two, the Eucharist and baptism. If you look at something like the Roman Catholic world, they have a larger list of seven. But generally, most people recognize the Eucharist, also known as communion, and baptism as sacraments. However, we got a really, really great question sent towards us about foot washing. They said, kind of by your logic, shouldn't foot washing be a sacrament? And we're here to have that debate today. So, welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, but I'm not alone here. We've got a wonderful crew here in Cord Purgatory today. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. And I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria. And Anthony's actually going to be hosting this today. Um, Anthony, give us a little bit of a lead-in about what we're going to be doing in this debate. All right, well, we will be debating uh, whether or not foot washing should be a sacrament. And so... Obviously, firstly, we have to establish some criteria for the sacraments. And so these are what they are. The first one is that Jesus had to participate in it and command others to participate in the ritual as well. The second one is Jesus had to institute the ritual, commanding all, rit all Christians to receive it. The third one, the sacraments have tangible vi visible signs that indicate the internal work of God's grace. The sacraments are practiced publicly through the ecclesiological life of the church. And so um, I would ask uh, Pastor Dylan and Pastor Amanda, would you guys like to explain on a, or expand on a, a couple of these uh, criteria, specifically the third and fourth one? For instance, what does it mean to have tangible, visible signs? Okay, um, I guess I want to start with this, unless you do, man. Okay, so a lot of times people hear that a sacrament is an outward sign of an inward grace. And I don't know about you, Amanda, but that's a great descriptor, but I don't know if that really works as a criteria. So what we have here is the, the fact that sacraments, they have a tangible sign. It's something with, that's visible. It has some sort of element that people can see and interact with. And while that thing that they can see or interact with is not actually the work, it is something which indicates and it look, points to the internal work that God is working in a believer. So let me put that in common language. You have somebody coming in to take the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist. Um, there's physically up there the body and the blood, the bread and the wine that someone has. Um, and of course, this is often um, wafers and grape juice. And with something like baptism, there's actually the water. Someone is being either sprinkled with water, they're having water poured on them, or they're actually being submerged in water. So there's actual physical elements that are there that are pointing to an internal thing. Do you feel like that kind of answers that fairly well, mm -hmm. Amanda? Yeah. And, and I think where sacraments go is they take those uh, very mundane elements and they make them sacred. And as those mundane elements, whether bread and juice or water, are made sacred, it is then exemplifying that our lives are being made sacred. And so there is this movement um, to where, although we in the, in the Protestant churches believe that the bread and juice are always technically bread and juice, they do become something more than bread and juice. And so this is what um, kind of this third criteria is really talking about, is that there is something we can hold on to, but at the same time, it helps elevate us or, or helps us experience and explain uh, the transformation that is happening. Sure, yeah. And to that fourth point, the sacraments are practiced publicly through the ecclesiological life of the church. Basically, that's a lot of big words to say it's officially done by the church and people can see it happening. Like you can watch someone be baptized. You can come into a sanctuary during the correct time and you'll see people receiving the elements. Pastor Amanda? I just thought it was funny that the way we phrased this was the ecclesia ecclesiological life of the church, which is basically a big word of saying the church, ecclesi the ecclesiology is kind of church, so it's like the churchy life of the church. Yeah. But anyways, um, no, yeah, and, and I like that it is public, and really sacraments should not be done privately. Yeah. It's not that, I guess, you can't necessarily, but they are best exemplified within the life and the community of the church. Yeah, and that doesn't mean if someone's in the hospital and you know, you make an exception or something there. You may do it with a small group of believers, but the whole thing is, is this is something which is visible. It's it's a sign to the world. It's kind of what yeah. Amanda's saying. All right, Anthony, are you ready to get in with this? 
Yep. And so uh, we're about to get into our mock debate. And this debate, again, just as a reminder, is in order to demonstrate thoughts circulating in the church at large concerning sacraments and foot washing. Um, and so we're going to, I will be moderating. Pastor Dylan and Pastor Amanda will be debating the issues. I'll let you figure out which one is pro and anti uh, sacrament foot washing. And so um, all the questions that I'm going to be asking will be for the sake of moderating this debate, and they will be focused on qualifying or disqualifying the ritual of foot washing for various parts of the criteria that we've listed above and in consideration of other perspectives in the church. And so uh, before we get into that, uh, Pastor Dylan would like to say something. All right, so when we say mock debate, it's not because this is not serious. It's just we have no power to change anything. <laughs> um, I'm going to be taking the anti stance, saying it should not be a sacrament. Pastor Amanda is going to be taking the pro stance that it should be a sacrament. And again, this does not necessarily reflect what we actually believe. Um, it may, it may not. Um, to some points, yes, and to others, no. But for the purposes of the Socratic method, we're having a debate to see what we can arrive at. So I'm going to be going with the no, this is a ritual, but not a sacrament stance the whole time. It can be done holily, but... It's not a sacrament. Well, also, um, the ritual may also uh, qualify in some ways by the criteria, just not by all the criteria. Yeah. Or, for the sake of our debate, it may qualify in every way for the criteria. <laughs> so that's what we're here to find out, right? So um, let's look at question number one. Jesus did wash the feet of the disciples. Would his participation in that be considered ritualistic? And we'll start with Pastor Amanda. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we see where Jesus takes this practice of foot washing, which is was, was again, a very mundane act in that time. Um, you walked everywhere, usually, unless you were very rich and could afford uh, horses or mules or something to, to that effect. So you walked everywhere, you wore sandals, or if you were a slave or someone of very low regard, you were barefooted. So your feet were very dirty. So when you came into a place... Um, you were offered this act of hospitality where your feet were washed. And again, because your feet were so dirty, it was by so, a very lowly servant. And so Jesus takes this mundane act, this kind of ordinary everyday thing that happened, and he makes it something more. And he does ritualize it in such a sen sense because it is followed by a command. It is followed by in, in conjunction with the Passover supper, uh, with communion and Holy Eucharist. Um, so it really goes beyond kind of what was normal of a foot washing. All right. And the anti-stance is just because something is made ritualistic doesn't mean that it's made into a sacrament. Again, all sacraments are rituals, but not all rituals are sacraments. Jesus does come to a lot of things, and he kind of adds in ritualistic element to things which are, are mundane. You even see him walking along the, the side of the Sea of Galilee. You see him doing a lot of things. He starts calling people. And he kind of makes things a bit more ritualistic than they naturally are. But again, just because something becomes ritualistic doesn't mean that it's a sacrament. So on the front of whether or not it's ritualistic, it seems that both sides have to concede it is ritualistic. Though that does not entirely qualify it for uh, sacramental authority yet. And we'll be getting on to the other questions to find that out. So the next one. Does the church have the authority to institute sacraments that Jesus did not? And on this, I will start with Dylan. Uh, well, I would say no. Um, and simply because one of the things we have tried to do throughout the history of the church is to preserve something about the apostolic age. And when I say apostolic age, I mean people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus walking on this earth, fully God, fully man. They were there during the whole advent, the arrival of Christ through Mary. We see that even with our holy scriptures, they were not put together as a book like we think of them today being a New Testament until a couple of hundred years after Jesus had already gone to the cross, he had died, been resurrected, and ascended, all those events had happened. But what we do see happening with our, our early church um, parents, they came together and they said, look, there was something about the apostolic age, this time of eyewitness to Jesus, which is sacred. And while we know that God is still working, there are other writings, there are other special things which are revealing God's grace, they're revealing God's nature to us. We don't want to stray too far from what was going on in that apostolic era. So for instance, when we look at our Bibles, they were not written in the time they were canonized, nor were they written in the time where Jesus actually walked, but they were from an age where there were people who were still eyewitnesses to Jesus. And the church as a whole came together and said, we're not gonna include anything as scripture, 
that was not of that age, even though they were a couple of hundred years later. So the same thing should be treated with other aspects of the church, where we say we are not the ones who get to be the authors of how the church is. We know that there was something about the apostolic age where we could really solidify who the church was meant to be. There wasn't a lot of time in history to edit and erode things and different cultural lenses to be placed on them. And we looked at that age and said there's something special about this. And I think we always get into a, a state of kind of arrogance and narcissism where we say, well, the church belongs to me. And that we'll say things like the church belongs to the community or the church belongs to our family. And we forget that communities and families exist for 2,000 years. So I think it's a little bit arrogant to place our moment in time here and says we're going to make a decision that affects a lot of people elsewhere. And, and I think uh, I, I definitely wouldn't disagree with anything Pastor Dylan has said. But however, um, we also have to see that, I mean, the question kind of leans itself to your stance a little bit, the way that it's worded, um, because obviously we cannot institute anything that, that Christ has not done. Um, we, we cannot be anti-Christ and still call ourselves the church or to think we can somehow invent the wheel after it has been around for 2000 years. However, we are charged with the responsibility uh, to take the, the knowledge and wisdom that has been given to us and apply it to our time and to understand how it can be best communicated within our culture and our language and different issues like that. Um, so although, again, at face value, it seems like the answer to this question definitely leans towards Dylan's stance, I, I think it needs a more complex answer than simply saying no. Um, and that we have to see, um, and even in sacraments, because uh, to be honest, although we say the criteria of a sacrament is that Jesus has to institute it, Jesus never wrote a, a theological dissertation. He did not sit down and say the two sacraments are this or the seven sacraments are this. Uh, he said, love God with your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then we exemplify that uh, through uh, the fellowship of the church and through various sacraments and liturgies. And so in that aspect, the church does have a responsibility uh, to continue to institute and discover and rediscover uh, how those look within the life of the church. All right. Moving on to the next question, I'm actually going to skip a few because I think this one is more related to uh, this next question, but it seems both sides definitely agree we are working to fulfill the teaching of Christ, and so uh, this next question will be concerning that. John 13:14 shows a biblical account of foot washing, and it reads as follows. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Should this be interpreted as a command to participate in foot washing to the followers of Christ, or should it be interpreted as a command to be a blessing servant to our neighbor? And so um, I ask this question next because the last one is whether or not Christ, can they be can rituals be sacraments if Christ did not command them to be practiced? And this question is concerning whether or not the practice was actually commanded to be practiced or if it was simply more philosophical. And so I will start with, who did I start with last time? Was it Pastor Dylan? I will start with Amanda for this question. All right. Well, I think, uh, again, the wording of this question can almost be challenged a little bit because the answer, I think, should be yes to this question. Um, like, like um, I, I guess, a good Wesleyan middle way. Um, is, is holiness a, a moment or a process? Yes. Uh, is this a commandment as a ritual to be practiced or, or as a blessing to others? Yes. Um, it is, it, I think, all-encompassing because we do see, again, Jesus doesn't just kind of give this vague moral lesson outside of the context of everyday life that he he makes it very practical and says you are to be a blessing uh, here is one way to exemplify how you are to be a blessing and again sacrament is a means of grace by which we participate in that grace and there is no uh, greater way of participating than actually getting on your hands and knees and serving your neighbor and all right so amanda is right i actually think the answer on the surface value to the question is more yes in the sense that yes jesus does command them in this moment but to the question of whether or not that makes it a sacrament that is still up for grabs just because jesus commands people to do it doesn't mean it's a sacrament jesus also commands them to um, forgive one another and yet we don't treat every single act of forgiveness as a sacrament in and of itself again when we look at sacraments, they usually have a structure. They usually follow something which is pretty precise. There's not a lot of variation in how they happen, though there may be a little bit. Like with baptism, you may have you know, sprinkling one time. You may have submersion another time. 
you know, with, with something like forgiveness or foot washing, we don't actually have a specific ritual of how that may be, even though with foot washing, it kind of seems obvious that there would be. But yet when we look in the early church, we don't actually see any particular ordinances or any sort of outlines of how we should carry out something like this. So with that being said, just because something is commanded to be done doesn't mean that it's actually a sacrament in and of itself. So I think the answer to these questions is yes, but that doesn't make it a sacrament. Still, just because it's a ritual doesn't mean it's a sacrament. Just because Jesus commands us to do it doesn't mean it's a sacrament either. All right. So uh, just to be clear, right now we're working on whether or not uh, Jesus did command the practice. And so also we, we can all agree here that the Eucharist and baptism are commanded to be practiced by the church continually. And not to say for each and every believer, but... Uh, continually by each and every believer, I should say, but at least um, that the church should be practicing these sacraments uh, throughout its life, Eucharist and baptism. Do you think that based on this passage, we can say the same, that Christ is calling the church to continually wash one another, literally wash one another's feet? And I'll start with Dylan for this question. Well, this does take place at the time of the Lord's Supper, which is something which would be replicated further. But at the same time, every little detail of that Lord's Supper is not necessary to replicate. Again, we don't all go in and say we must find this building, we must find this house, we must take everything to be in exact detail. We just take the, the most significant parts of that out of it. And so I would say, you know, really, Jesus is commanding him to do it that time for sure. I don't see any indication that he says you must continually be doing this. Um, I see where somebody could come to that conclusion, but again, at the same time, you understand history. Pastor Man has already gave us the history of this a bit. It's kind of culturally constrained, and Jesus was kind of making good use of something that was there. I don't really think it's something which is is a necessary, enduring thing, the same way that the two sacraments of the Eucharist and baptism are. For right. the life of the church, enduring through the life of the church, I should say. All right, Amanda, how would you serve your own position? Well, and I would think, um, so you are talking about kind of it, it was very culturally uh, conditioned within that context. And I mean, honestly, even when we look at our the Lord's Supper, I mean, that started out as in the context of Passover, then it kind of formed to the agape feast, and then it got narrowed down a little bit more to simply just uh, bread and juice. And so we can see how this is uh, these elements have transcended and, and gone beyond that. And I think even in foot washing, although we may not have the uh, specific ties to it as they did 2,000 years ago, it can be something quite remarkable. And as to, to uh, Anthony, sorry, <laughs> to Anthony, when he was asking the question about it being continually uh, happening, it, it's interesting to see even in the other two sacraments that we celebrate how they are celebrated continually because we have baptism is kind of assumed that it happens once in each believer's life um there are some traditions that may do rebaptism and others that would do ceremonies where you remember your baptism um and then communion some people do it every sunday some do it every day some do it once a month some do it every quarter which is mandated by the church manual and the church of nazarene um and some do it even less than that and so foot washing, I think, could be done continually, and it may be done something tied to, which it is kind of usually traditionally practiced on Monday, Thursday during Holy Week. And that does not, I, I think, although it is, that's a very specific time in which it is practiced, that I don't think discounts it from happening um, as a sacrament because it is something that can be repeated and can be done universally for all believers. All right, so uh, concerning whether or not um, Christ participated in it ritualistically and whether or not he commanded others to participate in the ritual as well, uh, you have heard the evidence, you've heard the arguments, so we'll leave that up to the listener. Moving on to the next topic, um, does foot washing have some component that bestows the grace of God? And I will start with Amanda on this one. Okay. Um, uh, I think obviously we do. It is the water, the basin, and the towel. Um, and I was even in some quick Googling about it that that tradition is actually seen in some. So uh, to Pastor Dylan had mentioned earlier that we don't see it quite as ritualistically recorded as something like Eucharist or baptism. But there are some loose elements we do see throughout the early church where they do reference um foot washing, and they do reference having these elements of the water, the basin, and the towel. And again, it is this idea of servanthood. It is uh, humility. It is um, just taking on the very character of Christ. And as Christ 
uh, served and loved that you are called to do that too. And so, yeah, so there's these very tangible elements, again, that we get to participate with so that then we can better understand and articulate and experience God's grace and then therefore share it with the world. All right, Pastor Dylan. All right, so to the question of this, yes, God's grace can work in it, but God's grace works in a lot of things. Um, in fact, God's grace is very mysterious in how it works in a lot of things. You you see within the Gospels, Jesus coming to perhaps the woman at the well. But at the same time, we don't treat getting water drawn from a well as being a sacrament, even though, again, you can see material things there with it. You can see a visible change. You see other incidents where, where Jesus comes, he deals with people, um, anything from like lowering somebody through a roof. You know, again, God's grace was clearly active there, but at the same time, we don't treat that as a sacrament. So, yes, God's grace can work in it, and God's grace should be working in everything that we do in the church. And even with foot washing, I think it should be done sacramentally. And I'm not here to say that it shouldn't be done sacramentally. I'm just saying it's not a sacrament in and of itself. Just sort of like somebody can do something athletically even though they're not an actual professional athlete. Like you can go outside and be really skilled in doing sports in your yard, but that doesn't mean you're a professional athlete. You haven't got to that next level yet, perhaps. With what we have going on with foot washing, it, it is something which God's grace works in. Um, Jesus does come and elevate it to the state of a ritual, but at the same time, we see that happening with other things in the gospel, something like the command to forgive. Jesus, he comes and he tells people to do that. He takes some of the elements of the law. He takes and he kind of goes back to the spirit of the law and fulfills them and teaches people with things. He works within structures like the synagogue, which are kind of there, and he kind of brings them to a, a, a new direction and a new form of teaching. He uses a lot of existing things. Sometimes he, he kind of initiates some new things. But not each and every one of those things is a sacrament, even though it's clear that God's grace was working in them. All right, moving on to the next question. An argument could be made that foot washing is an extension of baptism. Baptism is a sacrament pointing to the cleansing of the believer, and foot washing could be a continual cleansing after baptism when people commit uh, said minor sins. Is foot washing part of the sacrament of baptism, an individual sacrament, or not a sacrament at all? Pastor Dylan. All right, and full disclaimer, these questions have been pulled from different theological statements for and against stuff. So and I don't think Anthony is over there rating which sins are major sins and minor sins. Yeah, um, as we said earlier, we are debating for the purposes of uh, you know, bringing, yeah. bringing clarity to the various thoughts circulating right, right. to the church at large. And so that's there's going to be a lot of uh, questions and thoughts mixed into this uh, sure, debate. Sure, sure. Um, so... Thank you, debate moderator, for that clarification. Um, so when we, we talk about the continual cleansing of sins, you know, with baptism, we understand that one really needs to be baptized once. Like this is um, fairly standard theology, though you do get people who say, well, you're not saved unless you're baptized in our denomination. Church of the Nazarene doesn't do that. Um, and that's a good thing because we understand that there really only needs to be that one baptism. God's grace is, is powerful enough to work in that. But at the same time, we understand God's grace continues to work in the life of the believer. So the problem with saying that foot washing is an extension of baptism is because then it kind of muddies the water with other things. You might say, well, shouldn't we just rebaptize people? If you, especially if you're going to say major sins versus major sins, wouldn't rebaptism need to be a separate sacrament too? Wouldn't everything that comes to help kind of cleanse someone need to be a sacrament? Would something like sanctification? Um, need to be a sacrament, and it need to be brought in with a a you know a visible sign with it too. You know, you've you could add rules to that and say, well, you've got to see like the the handkerchief come out or something. <laughs> no, seriously, um, that's really where the logic takes you. That if it's if it's some time where a sin is being forgiven or cleansed, then that in and of itself makes it be a sacrament. And again, we look at our criteria. The individual forgiveness of sin is not a a criteria for that. So when we get to the act of, of foot washing being an extension of that, I think baptism is something which covers um, that new era in the life of the believer. And it's one that can endure even if people backslide. God is gracious. And again, we don't have to have a second sacrament to or set aside sacrament just for that. I think baptism is good as far for that continuing, enduring through the life of the believer as they come back to have remembrance of the sacrifice of Christ. They're coming to participate and receive those elements with the Eucharist. I think the two sacraments we currently have are sufficient. All right, Pastor Amanda. And I think just, just real quick, 
uh, side note, I, I think it is funny to Pastor Dylan's point. If, if we were to make entire sanctification a, or a sacrament that exemplified entire sanctification, what would it be? Uh, and I think definitely uh, the hanky would be the uh, the visible sign. And then, the of element. course, at some point there would have to be the singing of Beulah Land uh, as part of the ritual. And then... You... <laughs> There, uh, the church has just just initiated uh, the ninth sacrament. <laughs> no, sorry. Getting back to the conversation. Sorry, we're done with the uh, the bunny trail. Okay, so to the yep. conversation of if foot washing is exemplifying kind of the continual uh, forgiveness of, of believers, the forgiveness of sins and believers. Um, I think you know this is interesting. We we're connecting it with baptism, but then you could also then say maybe this is a more tangible sign of the sacrament of um, confession. And so, and although we do not practice the sacrament of confession in the Protestant church, or at least in the church of Nazarene, in most Protestant churches, um, that could be something that really helps us better understand the idea of asking for forgiveness. And where this is pulling from is in that passage in John a little bit earlier than the verse that we read. Um, uh, Peter kind of is like really taken aback and, and Jesus is like, listen, you got no part in me unless your feet are washed. And then he's like, well, then wash all of me. He said, well, you've already basically said you've already been baptized. Um, so Jesus is even making a little bit of a distinction in, in, in that. Um, so what we see here, I think, is that this is this idea of forgiveness, but I think it moves beyond just forgiveness of sins, but it is you now have an active part to play in the body of Christ that you've not, you know, cause if baptism is that initiation, that new birth, then now you've kind of grown up enough where you get to take on some responsibilities of the household and the responsibility of the household is to serve one another. And so we see that in this foot washing becoming that sacrament of growing and maturing um, in, in your faith. All right, so I want to have a rebuttal to something that Amanda brought up. Oh, no. So she brought up the <laughs> – no, this is fun. This is why it's a debate. So um, so you were talking about the sacrament of confession, which in the Church of the Nazarene, we, we don't hold that as a sacrament, though we do encourage, highly encourage. We um, Confession of sins is a very good thing. Um, we're kind of commanded to do that. But, again, just because we're commanded to do it doesn't make it a sacrament. To the point of sacraments are something that all believers should be able to participate in. And if you make the argument that foot washing is a cleansing of those minor sins which continue, then there would almost be an implication that says if you want to participate in all the sacraments, you have to continue committing sins. And and that would kind of be a little bit of a problem for me. And so one of the reasons we don't keep certain things as, as sacraments, like holy orders in the Church of the Nazarene being ordained, it's not committed a sacrament. Uh, is not considered a sacrament. Something like marriage is not considered a sacrament because you don't have to be married to be a Christian. You don't have to be married to, to fully live in the life of the church. But if foot washing was a sacrament for the purpose of re-cleansing little sins, then there would almost be this implication that to be a believer, you've got to kind of keep committing those little sins in order to be continually living in the life of sacraments. So just my little thing I was throwing out there. I'll let Amanda respond if she wants. Yeah, well, I, I, I definitely, I can see where you can say that, but but I think that would maybe be a misunderstanding of this as a sacrament because the universality of foot washing is not laid in the fact that you have to sin in order to participate in it. True, true. Um, and so yeah. that you can, everyone can participate in the foot washing because it is connected not only to the forgiveness of sins, but also caring for one another's. And there can be moments that need reconciliation between relationships that aren't necessarily sins. And so I know, and again, we're using someone else's language here, and so this would need to be reworked. So I would say that this almost, this point of conversation, this point of debate would not play into a very good understanding of foot washing as a sacrament, that it would need to be articulated better. Um, but again, that is a part of it and where we can see that like when we said for minor sins, where that idea of coming to this place of um, reflecting on our lives. And so, and we, this is what we do when we have communion every Sunday is we say, you know, you have to look at God, look at yourselves, confess if there's a difference, and then ask God to help you be transformed more and more into the image of God. And so you don't have to sin in thought, word, and deed in every day in order to take communion. And so yeah. you don't have to sin either in order to participate in foot washing. So you're saying that 
while it may be able to cleanse the minor sins, as some may say, <laughs> that's not its necessary thing. So it yeah. can exist. Okay, well, I'll concede that. That's just a, a sub point of it. So it's a bigger sacrament than just cleansing the little sins. I'll, I'll concede that. Okay. We're not arguing for our own affiliations, but after Dylan re- started responding, I saw Amanda <laughs> pop all her knuckles at the same time. And I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> well, so. I've kind of been popping my knuckles over here too. Um, this is actually pretty fun. This I, has I've, been fun. I we, we, this. we already played Beulah Land, <laughs> so that's that's kind of a finisher for people. I brought the the Korg in here. Um, have a little organ to play with. This. this is fun. Anthony, what's the next question? The Mr. next question. Debate moderator. Foot washing could be a sacrament reminiscent of the call to specifically all believers to serve and lead. Is this something that all believers could actually participate in and thusly qualify it to be a sacrament? And so we've sort of already answered that question with the last one. But uh, if y'all if you all could reiterate your stances again, I'll start with Pastor Dylan. Um, just before I answer, I want a clarification on the question. You're kind of asking, is foot washing not something which is kind of universal for all believers to participate in, to receive the grace of God in? Is that kind yeah, of yeah? Um, perhaps giving some examples might work. So many people will disqualify marriage in the fact that not everybody gets married. Okay. And so um, for, on the same basis, the same uh, world of logic. Uh, could foot washing be disqualified for the same reason? For instance, actually, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Uh, Pastor Dylan, I'll, I'll let, <laughs> I was about to say, if you, you want to argue, Mr. Debate Moderator. Oh, okay. So to the point of this, I'm going to actually flip the logic to say this is why it shouldn't be. Yes, everyone can participate in it, and everyone is called to participate in the sacraments. However, with sacraments like Holy Communion or Baptism, only people who are clergy are supposed to officiate them, people who are ordained. And this is something which has been held. And while people who are not clergy have officiated them throughout history, it's only been in the exception when clergy were not available. So in the exception, say, you can't find a pastor or a priest, you can't find someone to, who is officially clergy to come assist with that, then you know you may do it with someone as they're perhaps on their deathbed or something like that, or there's some sort of other emergency. You know, somebody's about to go into the amphitheater and you don't know what the outcome's going to be. Those are times where it's clearly been done by lay people, but that was always the exception, not the rule. However, with foot washing, there was sort of a standardized understanding that anybody could kind of participate in it. And it may look really different, again, to what I said earlier. There's not any sort of things, this is how you say it, this is the sort of words and things that go along with it that we often find with, you know, you talk about baptism. You do it, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, something like the Didache tells us how to do that. You look at the the Eucharist, my body broken for you, my blood shed for you. You get actual prayers and things which are said out loud that you can hear, that you can recognize. With foot washing, I don't really see any evidence of that. And again, it's kind of encouraged from what even Jesus says that lay people could do it with other lay people. And there's no really need for that official church role in it. It could be more of a casual thing. Well, and I think... um Almost everything you said, I think almost I can say is the reason why maybe we should make this a sacrament. Because I think all too often um, church uh, members rely too heavily on their pastor to evangelize, to disciple, to, to do the, the things of the church. And we have to be reminded that evangelism, discipleship, uh, teaching, educating, showing compassion, that is not the job of the pastor, that is the job of everyone. And so in seeing that if we were able to maybe ritualize uh, the sacrament a little bit more, then we can maybe give our lay people um, in whatever area they may find themselves, they may be new believers or they may be lay leaders, um, finding this means of participating on a, on a different level and on a higher level. Um, and so I think that can be something quite empowering uh, to our lay leaders and to our, our lay members. And when we say lay, in case someone's not familiar with that word, we don't mean lay like lying down. Um, it just those who do not have kind of the, uh, the stamp of pastor. They are not, they have not done any kind of special training or have been commissioned or ordained by their denomination. Uh, these are just the, the everyday uh, Christian is what we mean by lay leader or lay um, uh, lay person in the church. And so this is, again, uh, to kind of conclude what I was saying, I think the sacrament can be very instrumental in empowering our lay people. Um, I'm going to add this question, uh, but in the context of uh, the authority that has been handed down across the history of the church and what has been entrusted to that authority and what has not, would uh, foot washing 
fall under something that could be reserved for um, the authority of the church and the uh, those who have been ordained or not. And I would uh, start with Pastor Amanda. I'm not quite sure I understand the question completely. Try okay, um, so just to clarify, for instance, with baptism, uh, it's not written, for instance, um, go and baptize one another into a new life with Christ. It's written, be baptized. And Jesus commanded his disciples uh, specifically to go and baptize and heal other people. And so there's an air of um, true authority, which was entrusted to particular people in the history of the church and in the New Testament. And so it's not just something made up and some group of people who said, I'm going to be better than you, and so I'm going to be the one who's in charge. No, Christ selected people to um, lead the church, and then those leaders of the church later on selected more people to lead the church and so on. Right. And And so so, um, is that something that should – is our sacraments something that should only be entrusted to those who have been bestowed with that authority or not? Well, we have to see why that that has happened, right? Um, especially maybe even in our own tradition in the Nazarene Church, why we say that baptism and Holy Eucharist should only be administered, not administered, should only be officiated by pastors. You can have lay leaders and other people administer, basically give out the elements, um, but it has to be officiated. And that is to, to create a, a environment of seriousness and understanding that this is not just something you kind of just nonchalantly walk into. Um, and that definitely, I think, is applicable to the sacrament specifically. We're talking about a foot washing. Um, but again, like Pastor Dylan had mentioned, sometimes there are situations where you just do not have a minister and yet you want to participate in sacraments. And so, and even in our own criteria that we gave, uh, being administered by an ordained elder was not one of the requirements that we have found. Um, so I do not think it necessarily has to be a requirement for something to be a sacrament, although it is a good piece of advice that we should definitely follow to the best of our ability. Um, I, I don't think it should discount something simply because a leader in the church was not commanded to do it. Pastor Dylan? Well, when we come to, to foot washing specifically, and sort of this, this question of how it relates to the life of the church. One of the things which, which is clear about bushwashing is it can be something which is, is casual. Um, but it yet, when we look to what is the responsibility of the church, I really want to point to this ancient saying that is extra ecclesium nulla salus, which means outside the church there is no salvation. And for a lot of people, especially people like us who kind of grew up in the American holiness tradition, or just the American church culture, you kind of think, well, yeah, surely you could be saved outside the church. But really, historically, that hasn't been the case. And it's logically not that true either. A lot of times people look at that question as saying, can you be saved outside the church? But if you flip the logic and say, well, the church is the body of the believers universal. If someone is saved, then they enter into the church automatically. So again, that salvation is something which is part of the church. And we look at God actually did set aside the body of Christ as his chosen instrument for bestowing his grace. The church is actually something selected by God, set aside by God. And we know this to be historically true. And God said the church is very important. It is my chosen instrument here on this earth. And because it is God's chosen instrument, of course, there are certain things which are going to be its business. Now, that doesn't mean that it's exclusive to the church and that other people can't come and be a part of them. But it does mean that the church has some role in really caring for them and investing in them. It's not that the church is wanting to be a totalitarian industry, but instead it says, this is what we are making sacred. This is what we are caring for. This is our our field to tend. This is where we're prioritizing. This is what we are investing in. And with something like foot washing, it is something which does belong in the life of the church. And it's something which even if people are lay leaders or just lay um, people who aren't necessarily even uh, leaders in the church, they are encouraged to, to participate in this. And I would say it should be treated sacramentally. I actually think foot washing can be a very good thing for people to participate in. But back to our main question, does that make it a sacrament? Again, Jesus commands people to, to forgive one another. But that in and of itself is not a sacrament. We Reading scripture is a good thing, and that's a very good thing to learn our history. But reading scripture is not a sacrament. We do a lot of things which are very good. Um, prayer is is very good. But, you know, like the Lord's Prayer is not a, a sacrament, even though it's something that we're taught to do. And just because we're commanded to do something or because it's the church's business doesn't mean that it's sacrament. Um, again, singing worship music is not a sacrament, but it's something which can be healthy in the life of the church. 
Jesus' act of washing the disciples' feet has no historical parallel in that superiors washed the feet of inferiors. And since this act was instituted and initiated by Jesus, should it qualify to be a sacrament or not on that front? Pastor Dylan. Well, Jesus does a lot of things that don't have historical parallel. Um, being fully God and fully man <laughs> um, kind of ranks pretty pretty high up there. Um, Jesus does a lot of things without historical parallel. So that in and of itself doesn't necessarily make it unique. Um, but to the question of should it be a sacrament of and I'll actually go back to the history of sacrament. And this may sound like I'm arguing for it, but we're going to come full circle. <laughs> um, the history of sacrament, if you go back to the Latin, you study this. Part of it is having an oath. And when one comes to wash one another's feet, you see Jesus doing that with the disciples. An oath is being made with the master and the servants. Um, Jesus is not saying that they're his masters. But instead, he is saying, I have a, an oath with you where I too am going to serve, even as your master I'm going to serve. But the question is, is that unique as a sacrament? If a sacrament is an oath, we would have to ask the question, is there already a sacrament that makes an oath with, you know, Christ? And when we look at our other two sacraments, both of those things reassert that there is an oath. So having foot washing as a sacrament would not supply anything unique. Um, Even though there's not a historical parallel for it, that doesn't mean that it's unique and it needs to be a sacrament. Um, so again, I'm just going to come back and say, no, that, that fact in and of itself is not big enough to, to sway it. Pastor Amanda. Well, I think this is a really interesting point that's brought up here. Cause we do see in the, that Jesus initiates the sacrament of baptism within the context that there was already ritual baptisms happening. He initiates the Lord's supper in the context that there was a supper that was already happening, that being the supper of Passover. And many historians and biblical scholars believe that actually uh, that what Jesus was referring to in the cup and the bread was actually the third cup. You drink four different cups of wine when you do the Passover ritual. Um, And so in this, it is very interesting that Jesus takes something that has no already religious value and he transforms it into something quite ritualistic. Um, and that's just an interesting element that I would think, if anything, if our, one of our main criteria is that Jesus initiates and institutes it, why uh, foot washing hasn't been seen as a sacrament in the past. Um, also, you were, uh, Pastor Dylan brought up the idea of an oath. And I want to go to some verses after um, the passage we read earlier. And, and it talks about, I give you a new commandment. That you, to, that you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so I think we can make a very clear argument that the if we're going to go with the historical idea of sacrament as being an oath, what better way is there to exemplify who owes your allegiance, who you are giving an oath to, than the fact that you love as Christ loved? Well, and again, I don't think you have to wash feet to do that. People can love as Christ loved, even outside the bounds of foot washing. It's just sort of like we also say, there are two works of grace, but God is not limited to two works of grace. And I think, again, the sort of stance that you say you kind of have to have foot washing to have that, I would kind of push back a little bit on. But to your point that Jesus fulfills things with the holy baptism and with the holy Eucharist, their fulfillments of existing religious traditions, I would actually point to that and say that's kind of why it's important to hold these as sacraments because they're fulfillments of long works that have been going on throughout the history of God's people where we can see God's grace has been going long before even those who are eyewitnesses to Jesus all the way back to the time of Moses. God's grace has been working. He says, you know, the firstborn of another is going to die so that you can live when Jesus comes, you know, it's, it's something that can't be one-upped up, one by humanity. He takes something that's ancient, he fulfills it, he institutes it to a level that cannot be superseded. And the same thing with baptism. You get this idea of people, they want to be cleansed, they want to repent. Jesus comes and he fulfills that to a level that really no one can, can upstage. And, and that's really where I would kind of flip that logic and say, well, you know, really the, the case that you would make with foot washing, yes, Jesus does make it ritualistic, but it doesn't have to be a sacrament. Um, unless one is just trying to, to make an argument that they, they really want to. Right. All well, right. Um, well, on, hold on. He rebutted. So I, was I, gonna, to... I was actually going to lead into your <laughs> okay. own rebuttal. Um, you know, yes, one, one you. might equally say that, you know, we can remember Christ without communion. And so, Amanda, would you have a rebuttal? Well, to and, that, and that would be my ritual? rebuttal. It, it's like you were saying that we don't need foot washing to show that we um, love one another. Well, I, you don't have to be baptized in order to exemplify 
exemplify you are saved. You don't have to have communion in order to exemplify you if experienced uh, or you remember the the passion of the of Christ. Um, however, they are again a means of grace by which we participate in that grace. They are an outward sign of an inward grace. And although we can definitely exemplify Christ's character and compassion through many different things, and many different things that would not have even been conceptualized in the first century, um, that foot washing can offer us that ritualistic and sacramental um, element of being able to do this in a way uh, that without it, we, we could not fully understand. So we've looked at a lot of the criteria. This one's a little bit side criteria, but it's an argument that we were, um, that we thought could merit some looking into. And so could foot washing be uniquely necessary as a sacrament, specifically one symbolic of bringing the believer into the house of God? And beyond that, before we answer the question, I would just like to encourage you to bring up any other uh, symbolism, which could be necessary, such as earlier, we were talking about confession, maybe Mm -hmm. uh, the continuation of the forgiveness of minor sins. And so if you see an area where foot washing could be uniquely necessary as a sacrament, I would like for us to address those areas as well. And I will be starting with Pastor Dylan. All right. So is it unique in that it brings people into the house of God? And this is this is an area where, again, I'm going to say no. I am anti um, this proposition. But I also think that this question gets a little bit dangerous and it's almost trying to split something that I don't think should be split, like the house of God versus the family of God. Obviously, baptism is something which brings people into the to the family of God. It's sort of symbolic of that. And I think when you start saying that, well, the house of God's different from the family of God, you kind of get into that heresy era area where you're trying to explain mysteries of God's kingdom, which we are not supposed to explain. Um, and you find a lot of heretics wanting to do that. So I'm just going to say, you know, heresy. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not going to say that. That's a little bit cheap. But but I think... Burn I, it at the stake. <laughs> yeah, burn it at the stake. Um, show me some evidence that there are there isn't a distinction between that. Because the whole question presumes that it's uniquely able to bring someone in the house of God. Um, and I'm actually, you know, when when Peter gets this divine message that says, you know, would you reject that which I have cleansed? You know, it, it's a bit like that. You know, in baptism, God has cleansed. Was that not good enough for you? <laughs> you know, do you need to make a distinction between entering the family of God and then entering into the house of God? Is that something that is our call to make? You never see Jesus come to people and debate and, and you know, with John the Baptist or, you know, any of the disciples. He doesn't come to debate with them if they're worthy enough to, to minister alongside him or to baptize him, even as John does. He just simply comes and commands it and says, you know, what? What I've called you to do, I've called you to do. Do it. Don't argue with me about it. And I think that's kind of how it is. You know, if baptism is sufficient to bring people into that new era, um, why would we question that? All right. Amanda, do you have any rebuttal to that? Yes, I I think, yeah, I would agree in the sense that this question uh, grammatically or linguistically is a little problematic. I think, and I I, made this point in an earlier uh, question, that this does help us move from kind of that infantile um, adoption and regeneration into the household of God um, that we see in the sacrament of baptism and it moves us to a more mature place. It helps us, again, to participate in that understanding in a very physical participation in that understanding of us being more mature and now that the grace we have received we must extend to others. Um, And so I think this could be, and it is unique in this sense also if we compare it maybe to some other more traditional sacraments like we see um, in the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Um, if uh, holy ordinances or ordination does not, it cannot be a sacrament because it's not universally available to all people, then that's, then foot washing can kind of take that place where it calls us and moves us all to be, again, leaders, whether that doesn't mean we preach every Sunday or every day, doesn't mean we hold and lead board meetings, uh, but every believer has the responsibility uh, to participate and to act um, and to share the grace of God. And so I think sacram- this sacrament of foot washing can very easily uh, fit that place that we may see missing. Um, and it does hold, I think, a unique then can be uniquely necessary because we do not have quite a sacrament that, that exemplifies that. And I would come in and say we don't have a sacrament that exemplifies that, but we have sanctification, which is that next step in maturing where 
when it's still growing, but they've reached that new level. And sanctification is that, even though there's not a visible sign with it. God's grace works in a lot of mysterious ways. And just like salvation is different from baptism and the Eucharist, and we don't talk about the specific rituals around salvation being a sacrament. The same thing would happen with sanctification. Um, the question that Amanda is really bringing up is this idea of spiritual maturity, um, something which is really marked between the believer and how they relate to God. And again, that is something, sanctification, salvation. These are, are things which are not sacraments, but they are vital to the life of the believer. And something does not have to be a sacrament to be vital to the life of the believer. That's kind of been my argument all along. I'm not opposed <laughs> to foot washing at all. I'm just saying it's, it's not unique as a sacrament. But I think um, what can give us the great opportunity, and, and to use our language, the uniquely necessary opportunity uh, to make foot washing a sacrament is as we have baptism as that outward sign of the inward grace of God's salvation, uh, foot washing can be that outward sign of the inward grace of sanctification and maturity. All right, so moving on to the next question. Is there historical evidence of the early church, that is to say the church during the apostolic era, keeping foot washing as an ordinance. Pastor Amanda. Um, again, I think we had referenced this a little bit earlier. There is evidence of it happening um, through various means. I mean, honestly, I mean, the, you can't really debate this because it either is or isn't. There either is historical evidence or there's not. Uh, there's not much evidence that suggests that it was ritualized to the extent as Holy Eucharist and baptism. However, also, it doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a part of the life of the church. And, of course, this is a good point for me um, <laughs> because there is clear evidence that in the early church, they recognized communion and baptism. And those two, it, kind of exclusively these two, as being unique ordinances which were treated very different than anything else. They were treated as sacraments. You look at something like the Didache. We think about the Lord's Prayer and the format that we say it. That actually comes from the Didache. You look at something like the Gospel of Matthew, it has most of the Lord's Prayer, but it's not entirely there. That actually comes from the Didache, something like the Golden Rule. While there are scriptural connections with it, the emphasis of that comes from the Didache. A whole lot of what we do on a weekly basis actually comes from this ancient text called the Didache. It's an early church handbook. The church had it circulating around before scripture was canonized and solidified as what we now have as the New Testament. The Didache was very important. You find in the Didache, a clear emphasis on the Eucharist and the baptism and no mention of foot washing. And when you look at a lot of ancient church historians, you do hear a few peppers of foot washing here and there, but not like you do the Eucharist and baptism. You hear of baptism everywhere. You hear of Eucharist everywhere. You cannot deny how prominent, how profound the Eucharist and baptism were treated by the early church leaders. But to look for evidence of foot washing, it's really much more shot in the dark. Now I'll concede just because there's not evidence of it doesn't mean it didn't exist, but we have such overwhelming evidence in the, the direction of those two that we recognize baptism and the Eucharist as being regularly, ordinarily maintained rituals. Um, they, they kept them as part of their, their regular church life um, and they were sacrament. Anthony? So uh, just to preface this question, um, Ecclesiology has to do with how the church is structured and how it orders itself. And so uh, to ask, was foot washing something practiced publicly in the ecclesiological life of the church is to ask a sort of twofold question. Was it practiced publicly? And was it part of the church's order of service? Was it part of the church's structure? If you notice with baptism and Eucharist, we have specific rituals set out for this in many churches. It is part of the church life. There are manuals written on how to do this sort of thing. Um, and they are both practiced publicly. They're both practiced as part of the um, service. And it's incorporated into the structure of the church. For instance, in that, I don't believe anywhere in any denomination can we read about, um, at least any of the major denominations, can we read about uh, lay ministers being permitted to uh, officiate the sacraments, unless, as Pastor Amanda has pointed out a few times, in times of, uh, you know, um, lack of or scarcity of ministers. And so um, to ask again, was foot washing something practiced publicly in the ecclesiological life of the church, Pastor Dylan? Well, for starters, I don't see any strong evidence that the early church would have had mass foot washing services the way that people do today, which again, take with a grain of salt, our services today, while they are remarkably similar and they have their roots there, they're also quite a bit different. But you do find like organized baptisms going on. 
you hear about people, they, they come, you might have someone come to evangelize a town, they have a large baptism. You do see official church gatherings, something like the Agape Feast, which is centered around the Eucharist. You see official things on the church calendar, things that people would have scheduled out that are really pointing to these other things. And they would have been, again, official things that were visible to the community. And they were official as a church service. Like, this is happening on 9 a.m. Sunday. This is going to be happening on this day, Wednesday, on the Sabbath. They would have had specific times designated to them, and people could have seen that. With foot washing, I, I don't know of any historical precedent of regularly scheduled foot washing services where they would have come and met and instead of doing the standard service they would have been like well we're going to wash feet today like you hear as people do sometimes today Uh, again i've seen no evidence of that where you do see strong evidence of the other and on the contrary what small evidence we have of foot washing it's usually on the individual basis and it's kind of more sporadic in its appearance like it may appear you know two people get together oh i'm going to wash your feet it's going to be a part of a a ceremony now oh a a brother or sister came from another town we'll do a foot washing for them there so it's kind of more circumstantial whereas the others were were planned and they were part of someone's walk through the moving through it they're new believers through catechism things of that nature pastor amanda i wonder and this is just me thinking this through foot washing is was instituted by jesus during the passover meal and was very closely tied to that um, service. And like I mentioned earlier, many times when we do a foot washing service, it is in connection to Monday, Thursday, or Monday, Thursday. And I wonder if one of the reasons that we have not seen uh, foot washing kind of grow in the way that, that other sacraments have it's kind of maybe the same reason a lot of Protestant churches don't celebrate communion often is because of the fear of seeming too Catholic. I wonder if we didn't do foot washing because it was so tied to Passover, uh, the church was afraid of seeming too Jewish. Um, and so although, yes, I mean, again, this is, we're talking about historical records, so I, you can't argue against it. It happened or it didn't happen. Um, so yes, we don't see this happening as widely as other sacraments. Uh, we do not see it as publicly and um but it still has this tie to a ritual that people have talked about that people have organized and there are books on how to have a passover meal and how to include a monday service um or a foot washing into your monday service and so we can see that foot washing um although it wasn't practiced widely um or maybe as publicly it still was a public thing that happened. It was not done individually. It was done within the community of believers. It was done within the fellowship of the church. It was done within the ecclesiological life. Um, And just for historical reasons, maybe it just didn't seem to catch on as much as the rest. And again, I would come back and say there was a lot of things done as a part of the church life, but they didn't become sacraments. And it is very possible. It's a very good hypothesis that it did happen a lot, but we don't have records of it. But at the same time, it is you can't just ignore the fact that you see so many evidence, so much evidence of baptism, so much evidence of the, of the Eucharist, and then such little about foot washing being treated that way. Um, so, so that's kind of where it comes. We have strong evidence for the others all the way back to the earliest days, and then the other, no, no real evidence. Well, and, and I think yeah, I mean you can't argue against it. To really, to be honest, I mean if I'm going to be, if we're going to be logically um, sound, it is what it is. Um, but I don't think just because it is, then we can discount it as a sacrament. Um, yeah, sorry, I was going to say sacramental practice, but I mean sacrament. And I would say it can be done sacramentally <laughs> as a practice, but not a that's sacrament. That's why. That's why I tried and to clarify my language there. Is that is that our, all of our questions, Anthony? Uh, yes, they are. And so I thought if you guys would like to for a second. Uh, we ministers and pastors have a tendency to um, ramble on if we're ever going to talk about anything personal. But if you'd like to, you want to take a second just to minimally express our personal thoughts on it since we've been representing other thoughts. Um, Yeah, I can do that. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to leave it up to people to think what I actually think because this has been a debate. This has been a fun debate, so I don't want to ruin it and make people feel like they have to side on one side. So, yeah, I think leaving it open-ended may be better. But I'm the moderator, so I sort of have it. I could have exclusive right here. (laughs) You could, but I think it's more fun in, in ambiguity. But I will say this. People can have moral certainty. My stance says that it should be done sacramentally, and I say right, but it's not a sacrament. And I think Amanda's stance says... It, it can be a sacrament. It should be a sacrament. So, 
go with it. And either way, yeah, I don't I don't think you're not going to heaven or hell on, on being on one side or the other. Yeah, and sacraments are different from salvation. That's something which is also pretty pretty apparent. Um, <laughs> we can end with holiness under the Lord. <laughs> not really. Um, but we do thank you for joining us. We hope that this debate was useful. And again, we're here to have fun. We're here to have um, a serious conversation, though, while we're having fun. Um, this is a big topic. A lot of people get really antsy around sacraments and things like that, and they should because they're serious things. But at the same time, we should not make these issues into idols where they become distractions from the integrity of our faith. So with that, um, please like, subscribe our content. Um, God love you, and have a blessed day.